Whoa, 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 whoa. Before you go any further, allow me to formally issue a spoiler warning. Seeing as how me and Justin kind of forgot to do it when we were recording, and I'm just not realizing it now as I'm editing it. So here it is. If you have not seen episodes one and two of HBO Max's new series, The Last of Us, or if you have not seen Netflix's recently canceled sitcom Blockbuster, and you do not want to be spoiled, then do not move forward with listening to this episode because we get into all of the spoilers, and this is the only warning there is. After this, all is fair. Enjoy the episode if you've seen it, and if you haven't, go back and watch it, and then come right back here. Welcome to Nerds Collide, a podcast about all things geeky and possibly dorky. He is Justin. Hey! I'm Travis. Together, just a couple of nerds. Just a couple of nerds. Feels like it's been like a month since we've recorded. Which it hasn't. <laughs> no, it hasn't at all, but... <laughs> I get that, though. We We never really stuck to our recording schedule that we set out. but we make it work somehow well you know life gets in the way so yeah best laid plans they don't always you know come to fruition so it's a miracle that we can kind of even get (laughs) record (laughs) like that we can get recording time and edit and put this out yeah i'm astounded by that every day (laughs) like look at us (laughs) Look at us, we have a podcast. We're the we're the rookies of the year. <laughs> Fourth best podcast of twenty twenty two, y'all. <laughs> so I finished Wednesday. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I, I finished it. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I think they already announced a season two. Yeah. I saw something about it. It made me wonder, whenever they just dropped the whole season at once, it's like and we're going to talk about The Last of Us, too, so we can kind of talk about how it's different. When it drops all at once, it's like, okay, everyone binge watches it. It's, like, hot for a week, and then it fizzles. Yeah, isn't that strange? Like, I would rather have something drop all at once, personally, just so I can, you know, get through the whole thing I because think of I'm... time. But, I, yeah, but there is the the downside of... Once you watch something in like a sitting or two sittings and forget about it for a year, a year and a half, two years, you don't retain a lot of the, the plot details or, or even the reasons why you like the show. It's, it's more so like, I like this show. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> and, then, and then what happens is, you know, a year later, two years later, the next season comes out and now... Now you got to rewatch the entire first season again so you can know what happened. I used to be a big fan of everything, just dropping and watching binging. And I don't dislike it, but I I don't know. I feel like I'm coming full circle now to where I look forward to shows like 
The Last of Us that are dropping episodically. It's like a bookend to the week. Yeah. It's something to look forward to. And it just, I mean, we, we're we going to get nine more weeks of The Last of Us. So for, you know, nine weeks, it's going to be, you know, a conversation online, a conversation amongst friends. It's, it's just going to be an ongoing thing. Right. And then because of those conversations, you're going to retain more of what the show actually is as opposed to it was good and then forget about it. And it does have that sort of water cooler conversation vibe going on when it is dropped episodically. Yeah, for sure. Just because and yeah, you keep it in your memory. You keep a lot of the details. You're discovering details because other people pick up on things that you necessarily don't. I don't know. I don't know if there is a best way to do it because I do like when things just release in bulk. I don't know. It's convenient, right? Like, right. I don't know. Yeah. I I feel like I'm coming full circle on it though. But I mean, the problem though, is if the, if the first few episodes of the show don't grasp my attention, then I'm less likely to, to to keep going. Right. By the, by the third or fourth Sunday, like it, it happened with House of Dragon, right? House of Dragon was the last big HBO series to drop episodically. And, you know, the first few weeks I was there every Sunday, watched it, and it just, you know, by the fourth or fifth week, Sunday had came and gone and I didn't watch it and then I just never went back and watched it. Whereas if, if it would have dropped all at once, I probably would have it would have been like more of a motivation to keep going and to see it through to the end. Yeah. Maybe there needs to be a job, <laughs> someone's job to determine whether this needs to drop episodically or, or all at once. I think, I think HBO is the only one that's doing it. Obviously besides, you know, shows that are currently airing on cable. I feel like there's another streaming service that does episodically, but I don't know what it is. And I don't care enough to <laughs> look it up right now either. <laughs> the the last one I can remember was, well, it's Paramount Plus now, but when CBS Full Access first dropped and the the Stand miniseries was oh. like its big debut, like that was episodically. Hmm. We but, all know how that went. Yeah, CBS... Heck, all full access, all access, whatever it was called, lasted for a cup of coffee, and then it was Paramount Plus. <laughs> full access, more like no access. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, because you're, there was you're logged to, out. There was nothing to watch on there. Uh, and and the stand miniseries ended up being uh, very lackluster anyway. Freaking Paramount Plus. While we're on TV shows that aren't, uh, well, whatever. I've been watching Abbott Elementary. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, that show fucking rules. It is a mockumentary-style show about a elementary school in Philadelphia, like an underprivileged elementary school. Most of the, the school population is, is uh, underprivileged, and a lot of the teachers are, too. It, like... It's great because it has that office parks and recreation feel, but it does have this sort of like, um, I don't know how to describe it, but it just feels really authentic to like 
how when I was going to school, the kind of interactions that I had with other students and stuff like that, like there's like a white teacher and all the the he's like a sixth grade teacher and all his students roast him all the time. They're like, man, you're a little Bilbo Baggins looking head ass. I'm like, God damn, this is so good. <laughs> I knew immediately from like the first two minutes that I was going to love this show because they introduced the main teacher. She's kind of that Leslie Nope sort of stereotype where, mm. you know, the go getter overly cheerful, like, Accomplish anything by any means necessary, sort of uh, character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's going around grading, cl- grading, you know, not grading, but she's looking over children's like work. And you just hear this one kid yell out, Ah, Jamal just hit me. And the teacher's like, I cannot remember her fucking name now. I am the worst with remembering names, but uh, she's like, Jamal, apologize. <laughs> he like has a pencil in his hand. I'm gonna recreate this for Travis. He has a pencil in his hand. She's like, apologize. And he's like this. <laughs> he like flicks it in the air and brushes her off and turns around like away from her. <laughs> and I was like, All right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm in on this. That was so fucking funny, and I was not expecting that at all. And it's got that actor who plays uh who played Chris in Everybody Hates Chris, which is a, an underrated sitcom. I think that show ruled. Terry Crews, he yeah. was great in it. Yeah, that 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 show had its time. Um, so yeah, Abbott Elementary, it rules. It's on Hulu and HBO Max. I'll I love to check it out. I'll. I was listening to this podcast and and it came up because I I think they won a few Golden Globes at at this at the most recent one. I have to check it out. Am, it uh, is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about something else that is very good. Oh boy, let's talk about The Last of Us. Unbelievable. You uh, know how, how many times have you watched it? I've watched it twice. I was okay. going to watch it a third time with my girlfriend, but uh, it was late. And she was like, I can't do this right now. I'm trying to go to sleep. What do you want? I did watch it three times. The third time being with my fiance. You know, it's like a lot of these these movies and these film adaptations, television adaptations of video game properties are so fucking awful. Like yeah. pretty like much the majority of them. Percent of them, yeah. There's only like, like Mortal Kombat. The night, the first '90s one is good, and that's it. <laughs> and and even like, just off one episode, even comparing them to right is yeah. like, <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. It's so. I don't know. It makes me feel so great. That's. They took something that I love and made a faithful adaptation of it. I mean, it adds to it, but it adds in a way that enhances the story as opposed to adding useless characters and plot lines and stuff like that. I don't remember if we talked about it before, but was this something that you were like highly anticipating? It was not. Were, it wasn't? Yeah, for me, neither. Yeah, I think we talked about it, and we were both very weary of 
this show because it is something we both genuinely love. And, you know, I hate, I think I've grown. What am I trying to say? I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Who am I? Um, <laughs> I think I've just grown numb to how awful a lot of adaptations are of things that I love and remakes of movies. Yeah. The originals being ones I love and the remakes just being, you know, very poor. <laughs> so this was one going in where I didn't even, honestly, I wasn't going to even watch it. Um, I'm glad I did. Yeah. Uh, I, I was the same as well. It like, I knew it was coming. I didn't know what the release date was, but it certainly wasn't on my radar at all. It it was one of them things where it's like, you know, one day I'll check it out. You know, we'll see how it goes. But I think it was maybe that Thursday or Friday before the premiere. You started to see a lot of buzz online from, from the people who were fortunate enough to see the series ahead of time. Yeah, like the critic reviews were starting to come out and it was just all praise. I don't know if it was just episode one or if it was the whole series, but it opened up on Rotten Tomatoes at like 100 percent. And I'm like, I'm not one to like go and look at what score was on Rotten Tomatoes and like hold that in any sort of value. But when I I mean, it does when you see something so critically praised, it does pique your interest, I think. And couple that with the fact that it's already a story and property that I love. That's why I was like, and, and you know, I had faith in the actors that they cast, but it, it was still, it's like it's a video game adaptation. Like we've been con, we've been conditioned at this point to expect the worst, right? And and this time they just they fucking did it, like they nailed it, like just like the attention to detail you could just tell like how much how much care and effort and love went into to recreating this world right i attribute that with uh neil Druckmann, the creator one of the creators uh being involved in the development as far as writing uh producing and directing i think um yeah it's it's so such a faithful adaptation. It's so one to one in instances that it's almost. <laughs> and I love that, and right? I, and I did see, you know, because there's always, you know, you can't satisfy everyone, right? So there, there was a few people online like, "Oh, it's just a shot for shot remake. Why didn't they try something different?" Yeah, like that's fucking worked in the past, right? The, the the people that are going to support the adaptation long-term are going to be the people that love, you know, the original, whether it was the book or the video game. Like, we loved that property, and we just want you to redo that. Like, you can do things differently, but it, it it's when... Yeah, at they, some point, you have to get the big things right. Yeah, and, and and that's one thing, like, in this first episode, the things that they did change, like, it all worked. It's like, oh, yeah, no, that was cool. Yeah, everything like, is enhanced. Instead of them crashing when they're driving through the city, 
in this one, we get the airplane coming down and crashing. And they even fake it, like, at first, because they're driving through the streets, the camera turns, and everyone's screaming in the car, and they see another SUV about to collide into them. Yeah. But they but they narrowly escape it. So that's already a subversion of your knowledge of The Last of Us, which is awesome. Another good one is, and it's very clever because they, they were able to, to basically cut away with what was like a big gameplay part in the game. But when Joel and Tess go after the guy who sold the battery in the game, it's like a whole chase down, like that's a whole playable part. That's pretty lengthy, and and they cut that down by just when Joel and Tess arrive, they're already dead, and you go right into meeting up with Marlene and the Fireflies because they're the ones that took them down. Man, the casting of Marlene is incredible. It's the same same actress, I believe. Is it? Yeah, it's the same actress that did the motion cap and and the voice. I'm pretty sure she's the same actress. Okay. That makes sense, because I was like, whew, that is, <laughs> that is a good cast. The the casting is just perfect. The only, like, you see people online that, that complain about the casting of Ellie, and I'm blanking on the actress's name right now. Something Bella, right? Oh, Bella Ramsey. So she doesn't look, in my head, Ellie looks a certain way. And Bella Ramsey doesn't look like that. However, Bella Ramsey captures the spirit of Ellie through her performance. Yeah. Which is most important. Right. That that takes precedent. Absolutely. And then also, you know, shout out to Gabriel Luna, who plays Tommy, because just, you know, (laughs) that's fucking Tommy. Yeah. That's so strange. It's just perfect. Perfect casting. I really liked and I really hated how we get all that extra time with Joel and Sarah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Why do you hate it? Because it, it it makes the scene where Sarah passes like that much. Like it makes it worse because you spend so much more time with her and like you get to see her going and getting his watch fixed. And, you know, yeah, that was and- definitely. I mean that <laughs> that's why that, that was the point we spend so much time with Sarah to you know to elevate the emotion yeah and and, and I think it it obviously it strengthens Joel as a character too yeah man I mean the the stuff with her going over the neighbor's house I mean you had one of the best shots of the episode there where you know the old lady is you know in the background kind of blurred All blurry. out yeah, but, but you see her, and like you see her face contorting, and you're like you yeah, don't know it's... what's going on. But like you immediately know, like no, this isn't just like she's not like just having a stroke or nothing. Like she's infected. And speaking of like that, that fucking shit that comes out of their mouth. Yeah, I was <laughs> legit like made me squirm. <laughs> like, ugh. you know what is to be. I think it's something to be said and worth celebrating that there wasn't a single clicker in the first episode. Yeah, way to show restraint. The episode was still so full of tension. Yeah, dude, it was like... Like, the tension comes from just how relatable the relationships are. Yeah. And your understanding of the characters so far. And then, like, once they add those fucking clickers, it's like, 
It's Dunzo's boy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, this was great. I can't believe how good this was. Like everyone I knew was talking about it. Like, and everyone pretty much was like, "This is, <laughs> this is shocking, astounding, and just wonderful." So, and to be fair, a game like The Last of Us should be easy. Yeah, to adapt because it's already. A basically a cinema production right in terms of the narrative but i mean it was just it's sort of like the episode itself where when you watch the episode there was that impending doom of like okay shit's about to hit the fan like there was that impending doom lead up to the release of the series itself because it's like they're gonna fuck this up somehow yeah because of the history of hollywood adaptations and you also got to think, The Last of Us reputation wasn't that great right? off the heels of The Last of Us Part 2, which a lot of people didn't like. And I can fully understand a lot of the, you know, a lot of the criticism for it. I certainly don't think it's the, the masterpiece that Part 1 is, but I do think it's good. But The Last of Us, like the property, it was not really in good standing, so... You got to think if they would have fumbled this. Yeah. What's what's the future? I mean, and they still can. We still got like nine weeks to go. Like shit can go left. But from what I've read, it's only going to get better. Yeah. It makes you wonder if they would have fumbled this. What's the future of this franchise? It could just it could just be dead. (laughs) It probably would have been. I mean, they probably would have put out a third game, but very few people would have, you know, checked it out. Yeah, what a fall from grace that would have been. I just want to say that I've not played Last of Us Part 2. It is on my list of games. That's another game where I didn't play it initially, and then the the backlash from it detracted me from uh, starting it. But I stayed away from the backlash so as not to spoil myself. Yeah, Which I, I also haven't been spoiled at all about anything, which is a testament to... How little my online presence is, I guess, and uh, <laughs> but I, it's a ticking time bomb now with this show out. <laughs> I just, yeah, now you really got a reason to to play it because well, they said yeah, season two is going to be the beginning of them adapting part two. I think they said seasons two and three are both going to be from part two. So I wonder if because they're working on Last of Us Part Three. Yeah. Right now, allegedly. And uh, I wonder if there's going to be a break in the show for the game to come out and then a simultaneous release. HBO Max is, you know, unlike the other streaming services, where they're big shows like that, they're, they're not coming out every year. Like with Game of Thrones, like there were two, three year gaps in between seasons. So I think there's time there for the development team who's working on part three to to be able to produce the game that they want to make and they they shouldn't have to cram you know it shouldn't be i I just hope they don't rush it i hope it's not a situation where they have to rush it out of the door for for the show right i hope it's not an issue where they uh they have people crunch to finish right like they did with i think a lot of the backlash not a lot but i'd say like half of it was because of the working conditions yeah uh, at naughty dog for Honestly, I don't give a shit how long it takes you to make a game to a certain extent. Just <laughs> treat your employees well. No crunch. 
just let artists work at their own pace. A team like Naughty Dog is going to put out something quality in some aspect, regardless of whether you like the story or whatever. The foundation of their gameplay is going to be great. And, I mean, at the least, it's going to be interesting. Right. So just give, just give these artists time. Stop crunching people. I agree. Stop, stop rushing these games out. Also, stop Unfinished. announcing. Stop announcing games five years in advance. <laughs> I know, right? What was it? It was Fallout Four a few years ago. Like they announced that thing, and they're like, "Hey, this comes out later this year," and it did. <laughs> and it's a shame that that that's a rarity now. Right. The only people that really do that are like the Fallout example. Nintendo is mostly good about that. This console generation, they're good about that. But yeah, stop announcing games five years in advance. I agree. Also, stop announcing games without gameplay trailer. Unless you're like Grand Theft Auto or Zelda. (laughs) So I guess to sort of wrap up the Last of Us discussion... Like I said, I did watch it a third time with, with my fiancé, who is not familiar with the story, hasn't played the game. Ooh, yeah. I am interested to see what she thinks. So she didn't think it was bad, but it's not. it didn't really grab her interest. She said it kind of felt like Walking Dead. Yeah, which I, I can I can I can understand that from somebody like who didn't play the game and doesn't really know the story. Like off that first episode yet, it, it's kind of like it's, it's walking deadish. It's zombies, right? Yeah, but at the same time, like that's not a fair comparison because walking dead was kind of this cultural stamp. I feel like at a point there was nothing bigger than walking dead. It was like that game of Thrones and breaking bad were like <laughs> yeah, the shows. They had us in a chokehold. <laughs> And uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily fair to be like, this is zombies. It's Walking Dead. But again, I get I get that sentiment just because, it, you know, it is dark and gloomy. And Yeah, I, I think we just kind of reached a point <laughs> as a society, like where it's like when you see something as zombies, you're like, oh, cool. You know, seen that before. Yeah, and there was such a long period where everything was zombie yeah related the thing with the last of us is it did come out like during that yep but this is probably the best version of any zombie story ever written those first few seasons of walking dead like specifically one and two suck were what i thought they're pretty good i don't think they suck i just i don't know it just it never grasped me like that. I don't. There was a point though where it. There was a point where I didn't necessarily enjoy the show, but a lot of that was also because of the conversations around it and just constantly getting spoiled every Sunday on Facebook, where someone's like, "I can't believe this person died," and I'm just like, "All right, cool." <laughs> Real quick though, we do have to we do have to mention that opening scene. Oh yeah, yeah. When, yeah, when yeah. they go back to the nineteen sixties, and, and you get the two science scientists talking about you know diseases and bacteria and stuff like that, and when the one guy brings up the idea of you know fungus being an issue, 
<laughs> you know, everyone laughs him off, but you know, as he goes in into his monologue, it, it like the air is just like sucked out of the room. Like that scene right there, like it let you know, like okay, they're onto something here. This might be all right. I think I messaged you after I watched that opening and yeah, was like, yeah. "I'm fifty percent into this." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that just goes to show. Like they start off, they start off with a bang. With like, okay, this is right off the bat. This is something not in the game. Right, because in the the opening of the game, so you play the opening, and then in the credits, it's like news reports where it fills you in on what exactly sort of took place. Yeah. But switching it and telling you, hey, this is a thing, and you need to pay attention to this throughout the series because this is going to be something big, is really effective. And they do it in such a way where, like, it's easy to dismiss you know, the guy in his ramblings about fungus uh, initially, but then, you know, once he actually dives into what that means and how it affects people, there is, like, that tension in the room, and you feel it, and the host goes from, you know, cracking jokes and smiling, and he's leaning in, like, wide-eyed, and just kind of like, well, what does that mean? Very, very effective. Like I said, I messaged Travis after watching... What is that, like a three, four-minute scene? Yeah. And I messaged Travis right after watching it and was like, I'm 50% into the show. Like, I am halfway there. They just need <laughs> they just need to be faithful about every, you know, all the big things, and I'm in. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, I'm really impressed with the restraint that they showed in this first episode, how they took their time. They had to. They got through kind of like that world building stuff, setting you up for the story. Like they got through all of that without it feeling boring to me. Cause they could have very easily made that stuff boring or they could have very easily condensed it and sped through it. And then right. it would, and then it wouldn't have been impactful. They, they took their time and they like, no, th- this first episode, it, it it might feel slow, but we you gotta get through all of that stuff to set you up for the story. Yeah, if it's slow, but it's interesting because you're learning about characters, you're meeting characters, you're figuring out what their motivations are. You're seeing the change in Joel, who in the beginning is like this loving father. He's a really you know, he's a you can tell he's a tough man and he you can just tell he kind of is reserved and quiet a little bit, but he's also really, you know, he's genuinely hilarious. And he mm-hmm. has points where his interaction with his daughter are like really heartwarming to see. And he, you know, you can tell that he's a good person. And to yeah. see that, that flip once we fast forward 20 years, I mean, the first thing you see is him dumping a kid's body in a fire. Yeah. It's like, this tells you right there. This moment 20 years ago changed this man forever. Yeah. And he's not even remotely the same. That first meeting of Ellie and Joel, though, I was like, ooh. (laughs) They did it on purpose, too, because it's like he knocks her into the wall. She looks up. It's like it, an extended shot of her. Like it sits there for a second. And then it goes to Joel and it sits there for a second. 
and there's no dialogue. It's just them looking at each other. Yeah. I'm like, ooh. I'm like getting goosebumps right now thinking about it. That's good. Yeah, well, I think I think we could both just sit here and, and <laughs> sing this show's praises <laughs> for hours. So anyway, let me tell you about The Last of Us and the... Uh, <laughs> the uh the <laughs> the mind altering <laughs> effects of grief. No, let's not do that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's um let's actually take a break. Alright. So the last of us <laughs> it is good. <laughs> Yeah, episode one, I want to give it a 9 out of 10 for now. Just I don't want to go 10 yet because I want to see you know what, what the other episodes are going to be, but I might go back and change this to a 10. Yeah, retroactively change yeah. it. Yeah, I'm just going to give it real good. It's real good. <laughs> it's real good out of real good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll be back. We're going to take a break. Then we're going to talk about Something else, maybe. Can we just come back and talk about the last one? <laughs> All right, we'll be back. All right, we're back. Finally. So, <laughs> for you listeners, that was just a very quick break. <laughs> you know, wham, seconds. bam, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. We were right back. For in, in real life, however, <laughs> that was about a two day break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not not sure how that happened. Originally, we were going to record the episode in one sitting, and then we kind of talked for a long time in that first segment. And you know, sometimes you got to go to work. Yeah, unfortunately. But you know, I feel like it was warranted though to talk at that length about The Last of Us. I mean, honestly, I could have kept going. Right, yeah. We <laughs> we definitely stopped ourselves from... <laughs> it could have been much worse. <laughs> could have been much worse, is all I'm saying. However, funny enough, we have both now watched <laughs> the second episode <laughs> of The Last of Us. <laughs> only watched it once so far, though. Yeah, I've only watched it once. It's gonna be it's gonna be multiple rewatches throughout the week. Yeah, I thought it was good. There was only one part that I was like, eh, "What is going on?" But uh, the rest of it, a plus. What part? <laughs> the part where the infected goes up to Tess and is like, just makes out with her, like <laughs> puts puts his mouth on her mouth in like a slow manner. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think that kind of ties into, because they're replacing, like, so they're not doing the spores in in the TV series. Yeah, that's what I I read. Where there's rooms where, you know, they got to put the mask on. So what they did is they replaced it with this idea that, you know, everywhere that the fungus grows, if you step on something that's still active, it alerts and awakens everything in that area. Which is cool. Yeah, I like that. That that's awesome. And it, it's honestly it's kind of better than the spores, in my opinion. I get the spores, but 
I do feel like it's hard to represent that in a television show without questions being raised. It's like, wh- where are spores? Where aren't spores? Yeah, and <laughs> it, and if this thing is airborne, then wouldn't it just be be everywhere? Yeah, everywhere, unless you know, it would just be Ellie, and that's it, because she's the only one that's immune, apparently. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, we we won't get too much in episode two now. We'll save that for next episode. And but yeah, um, I I enjoyed it a lot too. It was perfectly paced. I feel. Yeah. And another great cold open. Oh yeah, yeah. That that was just. I hope they continue that. I I, I honestly am like, this is a good show right here. <laughs> the scenes like that, you can kind of like. You see the Chernobyl in, yeah. I haven't watched that, but yeah, that's what people say. I didn't finish it. I I watched a few episodes. I got to get back, but you can you can see like that DNA in in those flashback sequences. But yeah, I thought it was good. I thought the banter between Ellie and Joel is starting to pick up. I agree. Uh, I really like that part where where he's like, she twitches one time. (laughs) Ellie's like. "Eh, eh, eh." Yeah, that was really funny. That got spoiled to me in, like, an ad or something. So, like... Aw, man. Unfortunately, I didn't get to experience it for the first time during the episode, but I still thought it was funny. Another good one was right before, I think they're about to walk into the museum (laughs) when when they're getting their flashlights and everything ready. (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Ellie's like, I got a free hand. And Joel's like... Congratulations. (laughs) Like, that's something that's straight out of the game. Like, that in particular, specifically, that wasn't in the game. But that type of banter between them was just riddled throughout the entire game. Yeah, I I love that part. Man, the infected, the clickers. Oh, man. Perfect. That whole scene was amazing. Perfect. They quickly explained, you know, to the people who hadn't played the game that, okay, these things can't see, they hear. Like, they did all of that really, really well. And uh, that's all we should say. Yeah, let's leave it at that. Well, one one more thing. One more thing. We'll make it real quick. One more! That intro. Yeah, yeah. That that is just amazing. In in Indonesia? No, 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 no. The the beginning title sequence. Oh, the title sequence. Yeah. title screen yeah i do i like it um i'm probably not gonna watch it a lot be- oh. <laughs> just because i want to get to the episode <laughs> oh, I'm, ne- I'm never skipping it never skipping it. it it's very reminiscent of the game of thrones title sequences i will say though that is like the standard hbo open like it feels like every hbo show yeah. opening that i've ever seen which is good so so it is good. Yep, and and we'll talk more about episode two on our next episode and probably episode three as well. So The Last of Us is not the only thing that we watched. You're right. You watched something else. I kind of I kind of forced you into this. <laughs> so we just talked about something good, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're about to we're about to talk about something not so good right now. <laughs> Although I think Travis is uh, soft on um, his thoughts. On the series. I have. So what the heck did you make me watch? Blockbuster on Netflix. Blockbuster the sitcom. So you had heard about this before I told you to watch it, right? So I had to actually watch the first episode. 
But like when when it premiered or when it debuted, like you knew it was coming. Yeah, huh. I mean, I interesting. I like, yeah. I I saw I saw news articles about it, and obviously when opening Netflix, it was kind of like the first thing they showed. Like, Blockbuster's out now. It wasn't. I wasn't searching for it. Like, I didn't devote my time to like actually look into it and research. It was kind of just like a suggested Google news article, like Blockbuster television series in development. Blockbuster television series is out. All right, let's watch the first episode. I watched it and I was pretty done (laughs) after that episode. (laughs) But uh, Travis told me, hey, watch it. Let's talk about it. And I said, oh, all right, Travis. Yeah. So here's the funny thing. I I knew nothing about this show. I didn't know it was in development. I didn't know anything. I I didn't know. I must have just not been on Netflix around November. I just I wasn't paying attention. I didn't know it was out. I found out about it because I seen the article online that it had been canceled. <laughs> I'm like, "Wait a minute. There's a blockbuster sitcom? Like this how bad can this possibly be?" Cuz like, you know, Netflix cancels some pretty good stuff and then they'll renew some stuff that's not so great. I was like, you know, maybe this is good. Yeah, maybe it's a diamond in the rough. Yeah. Too bad it was a turd in the dirt. We'll get to that. Okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> I just came up with that. That uh Why is my job trying to call me? I'm not answering that. Anyway. Fuck your job. An- answer it and say no. That's <laughs> no, I'm just not gonna answer it. But anyway, Blockbuster. Yeah. So, uh, like you, I was intrigued, so I turned on the first episode and I'll agree that first episode is very, very bad. it's very bad this is the toughest series i've ever had to push myself through to watch my experience was the same the first time i watched it but uh but go ahead go go on and shit all over it and i'll try and i'll try to clean it up a little bit (laughs) i don't mean to make a mess but (laughs) it's it sets its foot down <laughs> and you know it's not a very good <laughs> not a very good position that it starts itself in it kind of never recovers and even when it does sometimes the quality will rise and there'll be interesting bits that happen but what always happens is they either cut to something else immediately that is not <laughs> that entertaining or is there's no hilarious sort of solution to what's happening i think a big problem for me about this series is and i understand it's a sitcom but a series about trying to keep a store afloat it is way too cheerful <laughs> it's kind of it, it feels like they're just like yeah business as usual we're about to go out of business, maybe. Oh, well, let's have fun. Yeah, the the narrative of Timmy struggling to pay the bills, struggling to, you know, keep up with the rent and, and paying Percy, like, all of those complications are just, they're never at the forefront. It You know, of course, it being a sitcom, you know, it follows the structure where, you know, every episode has its own kind of little 
story arc, and then you have the main story arc throughout the season. And right. the main story arc throughout the season is supposed to be them adapting to being the last blockbuster and trying to keep it alive. None of the smaller arcs that you get in each episode really add any value to that overarching plot. Yeah, I agree. And one of my biggest complaints with the show is it seems like the writers were trying to find any and every excuse to get us out of the store. Which which could be funny if done right. But you you got to have the majority of that take place in the store and it's such an interesting setting. I mean, you think about a show like The Office, the majority of that took place in the office and aesthetically the office is a boring and bland backdrop you know for that show right but the setting of a, a video rental store and it being the actual blockbuster and it actually looks like a blockbuster is exciting but right. they just they find every reason to take us away from that and what and what they take us to is usually not all that interesting I agree with that. You know, another thing, another problem with this series is there are too many damn employees working at a blockbuster that is on the verge of going out of business. Yeah, there's a few. There's seven employees, aren't there? <laughs> yeah, well, let me see. There's Timmy, Eliza, uh, Connie, Carlos, um, the... Yeah, you got six. Oh, six, okay. Dude, you gotta cut that to like four. <laughs> I think you could get away with three. Four is probably the max. And I, I agree. feel like what they should have done is you trim that main cast, like the crew that works Blockbuster, but you fill them around with more reoccurring customers. So I was thinking that. I was also thinking you could put a few of these people in the surrounding stores. Right. Like, like, Kayla doesn't have to work at Blockbuster. She can work at the party store with her dad. Like, right. that just makes sense. And then you could make, uh, what's the other, the other one's name? The younger woman? Th that works at Blockbuster? Yeah. Hannah? Hannah. Okay, I thought, it, I thought it was Hannah, but I wasn't entirely sure. Yeah, that character you can just get rid of altogether. I agree with that. Or you could just make her a customer, like you said. Yeah. Or you could take these personality traits and divide them into the people that are already there. I think your main employees of Blockbuster should be Timmy, obviously, Eliza, Connie, Carlos. Connie makes sense to me because she's older, and I would. it makes sense for me to have like an older person who's worked here for a long time, who's been like who stayed for some reason. And then Carlos makes sense to me because of the uh, film background and his desire to be a filmmaker. Yeah, he you, you need you, you need that Carlos character for sure. And then Connie, it, yeah, you need that kind of you know older character. Yeah, I agree with that. And and you just you know like I said, give give us more reoccurring customer you know customers and then have your off-ball wacky customers come in from here you know from time to time that's another thing that the series it starts to get right once it ends <laughs> yeah but i want the wacky retailed customers the funny thing is that this was written by uh vanessa ramos or 
I hope I'm saying that right. I'm sorry, I'm white. Uh, <laughs> I'm white, I have no rhythm, and I can't pronounce names. <laughs> uh, she was a writer on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Superstore. And Superstore has fantastic customer interactions. That is one of the best parts of that series is just for sure taking these absurd customer interactions that almost feel real even though a lot of the times they're not really based in reality um but yeah yeah it's just such a disappointment because that's such an integral part of superstore and i wish that was more of a focus in this series we start to yeah. get that at the end in really cool ways, like the two teenagers who come in and play video games every day. That's good. I agree. They they gotta they gotta increase the customer interactions. You know what's funny? I, I watched it twice and I did start to warm up to it the second time around. Because I just kinda accepted that, you know, the humor wasn't gonna land. I don't think I laughed at all. Throughout either watch through, I laughed a few times, but it 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 wasn't very many times, if I'm being honest. Yeah, the comedy just it it felt very forced. I agree. Very corny, and it just it just takes you out of it, honestly. But what's funny is the second watch through, I found myself just listening to what was going on on screen, but I was just paying attention to like the store. Like looking at the stuff on the show, seeing what movies like, like I was just paying attention to the background and the store and like all the signage and everything like that. But they do a good job of recreating the store. Like, the only the only issue is <laughs> Timmy's office is like big as hell, and I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's a, a VIP mansion. Like yeah, what is <laughs> that? And then you know, I'm pretty sure Blockbusters didn't have like a break room with a TV and stuff like that. Maybe a few of them did, but I don't I'm know. I'm fine. I'm fine with the break room. It's whatever. Also, Blackbuster employees didn't wear black polos, did they? They were blue, right? Were, were they wearing black polos? In the show, they're black. Yeah, they're supposed to be blue and then with the khaki pants on. Maybe, maybe it's just to balance out because... You know, everything in the store is blue and yellow. I don't know. I'm not sure why they why they went with black polos, but... Let's look at images. It looks like they're wearing darker blue. But mm. Timmy definitely has a black shirt underneath. Yeah, so I think in the promo photos, they're blue, but... Oh, I see what you... They're black in the show for sure. Wow. Yeah, why are they black? Yeah, so here's the thing, like with this cast, like the main the the main characters and the main actors, they're all great actors. It's just I don't There's some sort of there's some sort of disconnect with Yeah just how every Okay. I like Connie. Yes. I like Kayla. Yeah. I think those two are really solid characters and they're acted very well. Everyone else? Oh, and J.B. Smooth. But I'll get to him later. Or Percy, I should say. J.B. Smooth is the actual actor. Everyone else, there's this sort of disconnect where I don't feel like they're genuine. 
even Timmy, like I love Randall Park. Uh, he was in Fresh Off the Boat, which is great, but he doesn't feel like a real person here at all. <laughs> Especially a, a person in their forties <laughs> that <laughs> is running the last blockbuster and potentially on the verge of closing down and losing <laughs> their yeah, job. <laughs> it, it just nothing about that character sticks. And here's the thing for me. I don't like to say it's bad writing because I've never written anything in my life. I would just, I guess I would say it's writing I don't find enjoyable. Right. <laughs> and I think the masses would probably agree. I don't know. There's just this weird disconnect where they don't feel genuine. Like Eliza, um, even Carlos, who is a character I think is necessary to work at Blockbuster is a character I'm kind of just whatever about. <laughs> Specifically, when they try to recreate the single white female storyline with him, and it, there's just this weird rushed romance with him and another guy. And, like, that's cool. That's progressive. But... Sometimes it, ju it just feels it, forced. It feels forced, and then it ends. And then there's no, there's no mention of it ever again. And it, it feels like it was just, you know, a box that they had to check. Right. The actual casting of Randall Park as Timmy is great because it, you know, it is a, you know, great representation for Asian Americans as like the lead role in, you know, a television series. Yeah. But there's just something off about it. And like, yeah, like I said, it doesn't feel genuine. I like, I like Randall Park a lot, but I think this is a role that should have went to someone else. I don't know who. <laughs> I don't know if there's anybody that could have delivered those lines and it came out com or it come across any better. Like it was going to be bad no matter That's who true. delivered it. And, you know, unfortunately, he had the tough job of delivering those lines. <laughs> um, I would say for me, I, I enjoyed Eliza's character. Um, I enjoy her, her, her plot line, her storyline of. You know, having the husband who cheats on her. The best part was the best part of her arc was when the actual other woman was in the store, but they didn't like hardly focus on it. It's, <laughs> I mean, they did, but they didn't do it in a way where like it just didn't feel satisfying to me. Yeah, you know, another thing that I actually like, and I honestly think it's just a result of a lack of detail. But the show never gives you a reason to dislike Eliza's ex-husband other than the fact that he did cheat. But from the time we meet him on the show, you know, you see him trying to make, make the efforts. And, you know, it never gives you that real reason to dislike him when you think about other shows like The Office. Yeah, with the Roy. Show, the show made yeah. you hate Roy or it made, it made, he was an unlikable character. They don't do that here. I kind of got a problem. Like, I don't got a problem with the romance storyline. I get it. It's a sitcom. They're all going to have it. I hated it at first, but I, I got over it. I'm like, you know, this is what some people are going to keep coming back for to see this romance flourish. But the the season just became so much about that and not enough, again, about 
it being the last blockbuster. Right. About the store, which, <laughs> which and, and really, uh, yeah. it, it, it's kind of like you said earlier, this show lets you know what it's going to be. Episode one, because the episode starts, you're the last blockbuster. You got to keep it alive. And then they quickly move away from that to where, you know, they're doing the block party to try to, you know, raise engagement in the community. But it becomes more about this back and forth with uh, Percy trying to, you know, he's only going to do the block party if he can do it his way. And then Timmy and Eliza getting into it because he blurts out, you know, about her divorce or his her husband cheating. Right. And, and we never get back to the store closing being the forefront. They they attempt to make it the, the forefront, but it never feels like the forefront to me. It feels like it's just kind of the backdrop to all their individual storylines, which, like, I think you could get away with, um, but first, it doesn't work here. <laughs> You can get away with it in like season two or season three. But when you're in season one, it, it kind of has to be the focal point throughout the season. There was never this feeling of like this impending doom for this store. I never felt like, okay, this store is going to close like right. tomorrow. Even in the episode where he had to fire somebody, it, it was just bailed out immediately yeah all storylines are so conveniently there's such a convenient solution to everything yeah it's like that doesn't i get this is a sitcom and it's gonna be like wacky and there's wacky characters but some part of it has to be based in reality yeah and for me to suspend disbelief and and that story can be told and i i hate to keep bringing the office up but the office did it there, there was that threat right off the bat in episode one. You found out there's going to be downsizing. We're going to be looking to close the branch. And throughout that first few seasons, that threat of downsizing of the branch closing, it stayed prevalent. Right. It stayed at the forefront. It was constantly brought up. It, they, but they were still able to do yeah, the weave their sit- individual storylines yeah. within that. Yeah. And they've done it on other shows, too. Like, you mentioned Superstore, which is the same writer in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, I don't know what... That, I think, is the most disappointing thing for me, is I think Superstore is a modern classic, and just to see the dive in quality from that show to this show considering it does have and i'm sure there are more writers involved in superstore which is is good you know it's good to get multiple voices and i'm sure the actors were putting in or you know had input as well i don't know if she wrote this all by herself i i I don't want to be like (laughs) this sucks it's all your fault but i mean Maybe maybe she didn't have a good team of writers this time. I don't know. This show feels, to me, like it would have been better had Blockbuster not been the title, had it not taken place in a Blockbuster. If it would have just been maybe a smaller chain or a mom-and-pop video rental store or something like that. Right. 
Well, you want to get into how you, you think we could uh we could fix the the show since you you already have an idea. You can just roll with it. Well, I th- I think the idea here is like I said, you have to you have to the threat of that store closing has to be at the forefront every episode and you can still do your normal sitcom things. I think honestly, I think setting it present day is a mistake. Oh yeah. And if you're going to set it present day, don't give me these fucking corny ass pop culture references every 30 seconds. It's just annoying. <laughs> the funny thing is, I didn't think there was enough talk about movies, especially like Timmy does it and Carlos does. Oh, the the movie stuff is great and that's some of the best dialogue. The funny thing is, I think that stuff feels forced. Which, to me, should be a necessary part of the show. Is like, if you work at a video store, you know, you should like movies. And you should, you know, quote them. And, you know, compare life (laughs) happenings to plots in movies. But, again, it just feels forced to me. A lot of those references felt forced. I was not a fan. That's (laughs) what you can take away from this. You know uh, what's what's weird is I don't think it's good, but it's all it's it's taken on like this guilty pleasure feeling for me. <laughs> I can see that. I've I've watched it a second time, and I I kind of want to keep watching it. Like I want more. Like I wish it was renewed. And it, like I said, it's not because the storyline is intriguing. It's not because I think the characters are well written. It's just because I want to live. I want to live in that world where there's a blockbuster, you know, alive and running. And yeah, I think that one in Bend, Oregon, is still. Yeah, it's still. It's it's still still open, but you know, I'm not anywhere near there. Maybe we should. Maybe Nerds Collide should take a trip to a Bend, Oregon, and go to Blockbuster. I'm down. And then do a do a video blog about it. Hey guys, we're out here outside Blockbuster. Like, subscribe, <laughs> um, <laughs> kiss my mother on the cheek. Uh, so anyway, we've kind of shit on this show, but I do have positives to go over. I'm I'm gonna go over those real quick. So I love I love JB Smooth Percy. JB Smooth is the man. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You said when we were talking off the show that he kind of. <laughs> it feels intrusive <laughs> like he kind of worms his way into blockbuster plot points too much but i think that is one of my favorite things about the show is he just kind of shows up and adds this like uh wackiness to their lives that i think i wish more of i wish there was more of that like i wish customers would do that um but yeah he's just great I I loved every every scene he was in. I was like, this guy rules. Yeah, I I I enjoyed him. The, I think my issue with parts of the show that he was in was really just the dynamic with him and Timmy. That it, it's the same issue with the character Timmy in and of itself. Is just, I don't believe that these two are actually friends. <laughs> like I don't believe. Like, I I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Yeah, I can understand that. 
the customers that they do focus on are great. They're, like I mentioned earlier, there's the two teenagers who just come in and play video games every day. The I love the that kind of shit is what should have been happening the whole time. It's just these two kids have beanbag chairs and are playing fucking Xbox <laughs> on on some TV. There's the customer that she's like an older or like a middle-aged woman. She always interrupts the employees when they're having like a meeting or there's some kind of squabble between them. Like she's like, I know this is a bad time, but I need help with a movie. (laughs) I love her. The guy who wanted to put his thumb in that display stand. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) That shit was awesome. I wish they would have had more of those characters. I don't know why they didn't. I love the solar storm plot line, especially how it, uh, Results in them having, you know, more customers. Honestly, like, if the series would have depicted how, like, poorly the store was doing beforehand, and then this happened, I feel like this would have been a really triumphant moment. It would have felt really good to be with this group of characters who are kind of down in the dumps and, you know, barely surviving, and then all of a sudden... It's like, there's a reason to go to Blockbuster. That's a great plot point. The romance between Timmy and and Lena, who works at the uh, outdoor shop, outdoorsy shop, feels a lot more natural at times than the one between uh, Timmy and Eliza. I think that, I don't know if it felt more natural, but I think just having a break from the Timmy and Eliza romance was a breath of fresh air, and I was just kind of, I'll take anything. Yeah, because they, <laughs> At this they, point. Rush, they rush into that romance so quick. Yeah, and then it just ends. I'm like, okay. Kayla and Percy, father-daughter interactions, I enjoyed. Kayla is a great character. I would honestly love if Kayla worked at the party store and just came over to hang out at Blockbuster all day, and Percy would, because that would give a reason for Percy to come over. Yeah. And then Percy's like, man, you're supposed to be working in my store. And she's like, I'm on break. (laughs) And then you could totally understand that based on the actual mannerisms and the actual character of Kayla would actually do that. And then Percy, being her father, would just accept it because, one, he loves her, and two, he knows it's it's not going to be a winning fight. So those are the things that I liked about Blockbuster. So, going back to things that I think could have made the show better, and, and even going back to some of my issues with Percy, um, I feel like his role, him being the landlord of, of Blockbuster, of that, uh, that property, it, just, it bails them out too many times. I agree with that. Like, they're, again, there's not that threat of them shutting it down, because it's like, oh... Yeah, he gave me an eviction notice, but, you know, right at the beginning of the next episode, they're like, oh, yeah, we're past that. <laughs> That's totally true. That does happen. <laughs> and I, I think that if, like, keep Percy, keep JB Smooth because he's amazing, and, you know, he's the owner of the party store. Uh, I think, yeah, take take that part away. He's not the landlord. Of the property. We don't need to know the landlord. We don't ever need to meet them. It could be in the final episode of the season, and it'd be like, 
a sort of serious middle-aged white businessman, like dry, like really dry and just kind of like, you need to pay the rent. And then that can, that can make awkward interactions that are funny between, you know, Timmy trying to joke around and make pop culture and movie references. And this guy is just like, I don't give a shit (laughs) about, about your, I don't give a shit about this store. All I hear about is you paying me and you're not paying me. So You know what I think they really should have did is they should have grounded it in reality more where you have the parent company that owns the Blockbuster brand. And in real life, that's Viacom. And if you, know, if you don't want to use Viacom in the show, you can just make up whatever corporate entity that owns Blockbuster. And, and they're the ones that are shutting down all the other stores. Right. But they're keeping this one open, which is very reminiscent of the real life last blockbuster. They keep renewing that license for them to stay open. That's in the the last blockbuster documentary that's also on Netflix. Which I also watched in preparation for this episode. So Yep. If you do that, I, I almost feel like you keep the character Timmy, but he's not the manager of the store. He can be a district manager or or somebody who works for Viacom or whatever the corporate entity is going to be, and he's kind of like their aid or their support that helps keep that blockbuster in business. And then I think you have Eliza, Eliza be the manager. That's interesting. I do like the idea that Timmy's awkwardness and just kind of like forced that he does feel like a middle-aged dad who is like hey kids how's it going (laughs) and i think that's the perfect person to be like the actual owner or like someone who works for via like viacom what you were saying yeah i think that's a really good idea he 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 can almost be what's um Superstore, what's that character's name? Oh, um, the I know who you're talking about, the one that uh goes out with Mateo, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can have Timmy almost in that kind of role where you know he's the corporate guy, but he's helping he's very much involved in the day to day operations of the blockbuster and trying to help keep it in business. And then with that you you can kind of explore like more of the romance between between him and Eliza because now their dynamics are different. Right. I mean their dyma- their dynamics were different already, but it didn't feel like it, I guess. Um this one puts a stamp of like Timmy is uh the corporate guy, you know, he really shouldn't be in he really shouldn't be fraternizing with these these people at all just because as a corporate you know person you don't want to have attachments to these people that eventually you're probably going to get rid of anyway um but yeah that would make a a really interesting dynamic just like the mateo and uh middle-aged white balding man (laughs) Because I can't remember his name, <laughs> so I just give I just give a, I just give a basic hold on I just give a basic character description <laughs> of him. 
middle-aged balding white man and Mateo are a lovely couple. <laughs> Jeff. Name is Jeff. <laughs> and he has the whitest fucking name ever, too. <laughs> God, that show is so good. Yeah, have him as that Jeff role. Um, that would make his awkwardness and just general like sort of uneasiness and kind of corniness make more sense because he is just like this corporate kind of stooge guy who is like, hey, I'm trying to be your friend. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I think this show would have benefited from being a mockumentary. I even would go as far as to have them insinuate that the documentary crew that is filming this is the same one that did the last blockbuster. Like, they come, they film, like, oh, this is one of the last blockbusters in the area, and then they get this nugget, this piece of gold dropped in their lap that they are literally the last blockbuster. And then they just kind of stay there and are like, yeah, we really want to just kind of watch this. One, because they don't think that it's going <laughs> to stay in business and just watching the crash is, you know, kind of a sick enjoyment that we humans all have. Um, and, you know, I just think that it would make, I think it would make the show feel more personal. And more based, more grounded, more based in reality. Like I said, it, it it's almost taken on like this guilty pleasure. Like for <laughs> me, like honestly, like when it's not my least favorite like workplace comedy sitcom. What would that be? That would be Parks and Rec. Man, you a damn fool for Listen, that. Parks and Rec is bad. It has its moments, but. Yeah, it's got moments, like season two through six, the entire thing. Nah, not the entire thing. Season one is whatever, but I also think season one of The Office is whatever, so. Which is like, that's why Netflix canceling this show is kind of sad, because while I can, while I kind of get it, because like, <laughs> I think this was like the worst reviewed show ever. On Rotten Tomatoes, like when it opened up, or when it which first. there are way worse shows, for sure. Like Parks and Rec. I don't agree with that. Parks would, and Rec is I would very go on. hard to rewatch. That specifically that first season, it tries to be too much like The Office. They try to I make agree with that. Pope too much like Michael Scott, and then it it shifts in season two, and it gets better. And I I will say, the first time I watched through it, I enjoyed myself. Until that last season where you have that big time jump. Oh, I, I that's, always... why I, that's why I specifically said seasons two. I think that's season seven. I always hate when shows jump in the future and then they introduce all this like unrealistic, futuristic technology. Like That's five years from now, bro. We're not going to have stuff like that. <laughs> Let me make sure about this. Um, yeah. Okay. So season one of Parks and Rec is not very good. Like you said, tries too much to be The Office, which I get because a lot of the same people that worked on The Office worked on this. But some of the characters are just too one-to-one -one and don't make sense for the story that they're trying to tell. Like, they don't benefit the story. Like, Leslie Nope being 
this kind of, you know, aloof doofus while being, you know, in a position of power politically doesn't make any sense. Which, you know, politicians suck, but you have to be somewhat competent at your job or have connections to get far. And just being this idiot who is, you know, naive and uh, whatever is, that doesn't work. That last season, season seven, not very good. Two through six, though, I would argue seasons two through six are better than The Office, are better than the best of The Office. I said it. You are on an island on your own. You are in a world of hurt, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) You're in for the beating of your life. So when you guys never get episode 24, you know why. (laughs) Hey, don't let this come between us. No. (laughs) That's it. That's the end of the episode. What happened to your podcast, Parks and Rec? I'm going to say it, man. Yeah. I I, think, I think the best of the, I think the best of Parks and Rec is better than the best of the office. Well, listen, that, that's good for you. I'm glad you enjoy it. I'll disagree a thousand percent. The, <laughs> the Office is still the greatest workplace sitcom, bar none. I would even say that uh, Superstore is a little bit better than The Office. But no, but here's the thing though: is The Office, The Office is one of those sitcoms that kind of revitalized sitcoms in general. So I can't discount it for that, and it had the quality to back it up. I think if Superstore would have had an opportunity to have a proper ending. I also haven't watched the ending of Superstore, so I'm basing this well, off of like well, six there, seasons. Well, there isn't one because they, they canceled it. Oh, yeah, they did. So, you know, we never we never really get to see the conclusion to that story. But I will say that if, say, we got one more season of Superstore and we got to wrap everything up, then you can make the case that Superstore it was more consistently good than The Office because, again, I I really like season one of The Office, but I do understand people's issues with it. And then when you get to, like, the last two seasons, a lot of people say The Office dropped off dramatically when Michael Scott left, I believe, season seven. But I think they were able to kind of steer the ship like they were they were able to stay the course until that last season that last season of the office was terrible i haven't even watched the last season of of the office because i think i dropped off before that oh man you i spoil it a little bit for you yeah sure you get this really bad storyline where Jim and Pam are at odds. Yeah, I've read about that. Because that was something where I read about and was like, this doesn't feel <laughs> like The Office. You have, <laughs> they give you this really uncomfortable scene where they have this fight on the phone. It's like, I don't want to see Jim and Pam like this. See, that stuff would have been fine in the beginning of their relationship. Cause like, I, I even disagree with that because we took so long it took so long to finally get them two together that 
it would have been heartbreaking if if they would have been experiencing that in the beginning. You know, you know what is a point of contention with me in terms of the office is we have to wait so long for Jim and Pam to get together and then they just get together. There's no like big you know announcement, there's no uh romantic sentiment. It's just like, no, we're not together. It's like, we really are. Don't tell anybody. And I'm like, I get it's supposed to be based in reality. And they really only focus on their interactions within the office. But I felt like that was a relationship that needed, especially because of the buildup to it. That was a relationship that needed like a big moment of, hey, I want to be with you. And then they kind of, you know, just get together. I kind of disagree. I think it was, I think it was done really well where you're you're getting Pam like doing the interview. Like you hear her talking about her and Jim just, you know, well, she starts off by like saying that like she hopes Jim gets the job and that she doesn't really know where, what her future holds and that, you know, her and Jim could never just get the timing right. And and she's going into this, you know, she's talking about that. You're hearing her talk while you see, like, Jim at the interview and the little note that she left for him falls out. And then you see him leaving the interview. And it all leads up to him kind of busting in on her talking and catching her by surprise and asking her out on a date. I, I think... I think if they would have did this like big grand like announcement or gesture like they did this big thing like yeah they're finally together I feel like it would have been too on the nose I don't know I just, I think it was really well done but maybe I'm biased cuz I love the office I don't know I would say for me the office is number 1 it can be a toss-up between Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Superstore, but I tend to lean more towards Superstore as being my second favorite, like, workplace comedy. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know, what are some other ones? Yeah, what are some more? Let's, uh, let's look this up. Workplace comedies. Workplace sitcoms. Oh, yeah, I guess Bob Burgers, Bob's Burgers counts. Eh... First few seasons of that are pretty good. Um, I've never seen two broke girls. Oh man, the IT crowd is so good. Abbott Elementary, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, but really two days ago, that one is really good. I've watched like six episodes of it. Just real good stuff. A lot of these, I a lot of these that come up, I'm not familiar with or I don't like. Two broke girls is fine. Uh oh, Scrubs is good. Scrubs is like wacky, and that's what makes it good. Workaholics is a show that I think is funny sometimes, but I just don't like it. <laughs> like I just don't like any of the characters. <laughs> At least not the main three. Like they're funny, but I just like, I don't want anyone to succeed in that show when I watch it. <laughs> just like, these people are awful, and they're just deplorable humans, and, like, they're funny to watch, but, like, 
yeah, I I can't root for them. <laughs> um Oh yeah, the Drew Carey show. Uh it says King of Queens is a <laughs> is is a know. workplace comedy, which <laughs> I, I don't think it is. I mean, it's not good either. <laughs> no. <laughs> my eyes are getting weary. My back's getting tight. <laughs> so do you think do you think you would find yourself ever rewatching this one season of Blockbuster? No. <laughs> I I don't think I'll I don't think I'll ever watch it ever again. I I find myself well, I see myself returning to it just for the nostalgia, honestly. That's one thing that the show does deliver. It just doesn't deliver enough of because it gets so convoluted with all the other bullshit that they add into it. Right. But you do get that nostalgia of the video rental store. It's present there and it scratches that itch. It just leaves you wanting more. And, you know, hopefully, you know, another one of these streaming services will pick it up. I mean, we've talked about The Office, we've talked about Parks and Rec. Both didn't have a really good first season, but they were able to find success. I'm honestly really surprised that there isn't a... I know a lot of times they've these uh, streaming services will film two seasons worth. Well, really, they'll film one season, and then they'll split it in half, which is for monetary purposes, like, because they don't have to pay the actors for two seasons. They can pay for one, but they can make money off two seasons, which is a problem. Um, but anyway, I'm surprised that there isn't a uh, a second season. I'd be I'd be very surprised if there wasn't like ten additional episodes that are sitting in a vault now. Maybe they'll come out on the Blu-ray, <laughs> the 4K Blu-ray blockbuster series. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But anyway, I mean, I'm looking up a list of. Uh, sitcoms now. Oh yeah, Daria. Daria's really good. Big Bang Theory is so good. Um, I've never watched an episode of Big Bang Theory. So Big Bang Theory stinks. It's one of those terrible Chuck Lore sitcoms like uh, uh, Two and a Half Men and uh, Mike and Molly. Mike and Molly might be the worst sitcom I've ever seen. It's worse than Blockbuster. <laughs> the, let me tell you the plot of Mike and Molly, okay? This is it. Hey, we're two fat people. That's it. And every every fucking plot point is about how they're fat. It's just like, yeah, I'm a police... or I, I don't think he's a police officer. I don't know what he is, but he's just like, yeah, I'm a fat guy. And then he gets together with his wife and is like, look at us, we're fat. And then other people are like, you guys are fat. That's the whole show. <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Fuck that show, man. <laughs> I like how Blockbuster is the worst <laughs> reviewed show. You ever see Mike and Molly? <laughs> Doing a half man is bad, too, because... 
you know what? Two and a half men has that family guy vibe where it's like, here's a joke, but it's not really a joke. <laughs> Just kind of like, isn't this funny because we're edgy? I modern was... Modern Family is a modern classic too. I will say that. Um, I've never given Modern Family the time of day. Honestly, How I Met Your Mother, I have really, uh, really, uh, you guys really aren't weird. seeing eye to eye. Yeah, we're we're not seeing eye to eye. It's a very important part of uh, my life, and I have a very uh, wonderful memories attached to watching it. But, yeah, some of those things are just not good. Um, oh, man, New Girl. New Girl's okay. New Girl gets good. Uh, gets really good around season two. And then kind of uh, falls off after a little bit, but that's another one that was just kind of like quirky. I don't like, know if I don't know if New Girl falls off. Oh, it's off. it's definitely not. It, oh, I think it just kind of coasts. I agree with that. That's yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like, Which isn't bad. Like I would rather something coast in quality than like <laughs> just dip in quality. But uh, yeah. but Schmidt is is up there with one of the best sitcom characters. I feel. I love all those characters are great. Yeah, I love uh the three main do. Well, I guess um, Winston is you know the less of the three, but even then he's still good. No, well, uh, Winston's the man. I really liked Coach in the first uh. Yeah. Episode, and then I also liked him when he came back. Yeah, Schmidt and Nick are, like, the best. I love that episode where, uh... <laughs> I love that episode where uh, Schmidt gets Nick a cookie, and then he makes it all weird. <laughs> but I specifically love when uh, <laughs> Nick gets him a cookie. <laughs> you gave me cookie, guy, you cookie. You gave me cookie, guy, you cookie. You give me cookie, got you cookie. We're even. We're even. <laughs> I probably laughed at that for like an hour. <laughs> I remember it was one of our early episodes. You mentioned that scene. And, <laughs> and the very next day it popped up on my feed. And I think I watched it like maybe 20 times. <laughs> give me cookie, got you cookie. Yeah. Uh, New Girl is good. Another good one that I've never finished because I think like it started to get wacky towards the later seasons is Community. You know what the problem with Community is? Is I don't like what's his name. Uh, what's his name? Joel something? Let me see. Let's uh, look at the cast. Why is Joel that, McHale. Why is my phone not working? I yeah, I don't like him, and I think that's just from uh, what was that show that he hosted, like Soup or something? Yeah, the Soup. Oh yeah, Joel McHale. Yeah, I don't so know. I don't. I've I've never watched anything else that he's been in. I didn't really have a problem 
uh, with him. I really didn't care for Chevy Chase. Uh, I didn't watch enough to even form my my opinion of it was based on like two episodes, and I was like, I really don't like Joel McHale, and then uh, <laughs> I ba- I quickly bounced. By far, the best part of Community is Donald Glover. Oh yeah, and um, his character Troy, and um, what's the other guy's name? Um, oh, um, Abed. Yeah, yeah. The, the the dynamic between them two is really what makes that show. What about the Simpsons, man? Nah, we're not talking about anything animated. Simpsons that's a, that's a is whole a... another episode. I'm 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 just looking through a list of the uh of the best sitcoms ever. The Good Place, no, classic. Seen You've never seen The Good Place? Nope. Oh man, you gotta watch The Good Place. That's a show. It's like four seasons. It never overstays its welcome. It's always funny. All the characters are wonderful. Dude, you gotta watch it. Yeah, I'll check it out. King of the Hill is great. It took me a long time to understand the humor of King of the Hill. Uh, f- friends. Friends. It's the best. You know, I got a soft spot for Friends. My parents watched it a lot when I was growing up, so... I kind of grew up with it. Yeah, I I don't even necessarily think Friends is bad. I'm just kind of like... I just, I think it's... It's definitely overrated, yeah, I feel it's like. Over, yeah, it's overrated. Everybody Loves Raymond? That's a good show. Yeah, it, it is. Golden Girls? Classic. I've never seen an episode of that. Oh, man. First of all, it's got like the best theme song ever. Two, it's just great. You gotta watch it. Oh, what did I just stumble across? It's Always Sunny is one I like, but I can never seem to stick with it because I'm just kind of like, all right, we're done here. Apparently BoJack Horseman is the 20th best sitcom according to Rolling Stone. I guess it's Always Sunny kind of falls into that workplace sitcom. Arrested Development is a classic. Well, those first three seasons. Curb Your Enthusiasm is great, too. Uh, Two others I gotta watch. Ooh, Travis, you're gonna be so mad. What? Rolling Stone. (laughs) Hold on, I gotta find their placement. Maybe this is where we end this episode. Okay, in the 100 best sitcoms, according to Rolling Stone, which, like, take with a grain of salt, because everything everything is subjective. You know, Travis likes The Office a lot. I like The Office a little. It it doesn't matter. I mean, there's not going to be a next episode of this podcast because it's completely blown apart our friendship. But (laughs) everything is subjective. (laughs) Rolling Stone says The Office is the 23rd best sitcom of all time. Which, like, is good because there's been, you know, thousands of sitcoms in the world. What do they have as number one? Number nine, though. Parks and Recreation. All right, let's wrap this up. All right, let me give you number one. That Yeah, okay, go ahead. The Simpsons. <laughs> of course. Uh, Seinfeld is number three. MASH is number six. MASH is a show that I remember just being on all the time. <laughs> Tell me about and, it. <laughs> and I don't fucking like it. 
I don't know why I don't like it. I just don't. That that theme <laughs> song just makes me depressed. <laughs> it just makes me sad. Yeah, it makes me feel nauseous, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I just am nauseous right now <laughs> thinking about MASH and the MASH theme song. Oh, man. <laughs> so anyway, that's been our show about Blockbuster. Yeah. We, um, so... we talked for a long time, but. Okay, so to, to end it, well, let's just end it this way. You already said you wouldn't go back and rewatch this, but if if someone did renew it and a season two comes out somewhere, are you tuning in? I might turn into that for tune into that first episode, but they they're gonna have to wow me. <laughs> they're gonna have to wine and dine me for me to come back consistently. If that first episode of the second season comes out like on an Amazon Prime or I mean first of all if it comes out on Amazon Prime I yeah, might be just, just not me, watching it. I'm I might not. be skeptical to even start it honestly. If it comes out on like a HBO Max or a Hulu, I'm gonna watch the first episode. But they better <laughs> they better get their shit together and blow me away. That I think would be a 5 minute make or break thing. Where I watch it and I'm like, you got five minutes, kid. <laughs> Give me your best. Yeah, it, if it does somehow get renewed, it does. It has to come out swinging. Which is funny. They end it. The ending of uh, season one, it made, I yeah, actually it, think I texted you this. It made me so mad that they ended <laughs> on a really high note for yeah. season one because. I knew there was never going to be a <laughs> a conclusion to this storyline and they made me sit through a bad season to get to this high point only to never only to never be resolved fucking blockbuster that's all right I'll get I'll, I'll start writing a blockbuster fan fiction Keep the story going. <laughs> yeah, man, you should uh, write fan fiction. What is that website called? Hold on, this is important. Okay, so there's this website called Archive of Our Own, which is always shortened to like AO3, and it is a fan fiction website. A lot of the fan fiction on there is just kind of smut, like it uh. A lot of it is just, you know, sex. There's a lot of sex going on on AO3.com. So if you ever want to write a blockbuster fanfic where there's just some long chapters of hardcore sex, <laughs> AO3 is the place, baby. <laughs> you want to read? You want to read some Stranger Things gay fan fiction? AO3 is the place, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and some people like it and that's fine i do man i do love the idea of a uh blockbuster gay fan fiction for some reason like jb smooth just like hey come here come here my guy come here my guy and like he kind of has a lisp too so it'd be like hey timmy come here Come here, let me give you a tuggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord.
JB Smooth. <laughs> JB Smooth is smooth with the men and <laughs> and the ladies and whoever non-binary. Who cares? Love who you love. <laughs> anyway, that's Blockbuster. Probably the hardest sitcom I've ever had to sit through. Honestly, though, like, this is the first time where I didn't like a show and, like, actually watched all the way through. Most of the time, I'm just like, I don't like this and never watch it again. So that was a good experience all in itself to push through and, you know, see what the whole show, the whole series had to offer. There's some good elements of the show, but they're really buried. Yeah, and a lot of shit. Yeah, there's flashes of the potential for the show, but as of now, you know, Netflix killed it. Netflix killed Blockbuster twice. Do Do you think there's any any truth to that idea that Netflix just did this to kind of flex its muscle? (laughs) Even though, like, when you really get down to it, Netflix isn't really responsible for Blockbuster going under ultimately. I think they were a part, but yeah, they, they the, big, the big part was just uh, corporate mismanagement. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, of course, you know, Netflix did play a major part, but I don't know. Do you think there was there's any truth to that? That you know, Netflix just wanted to kind of bring it back to kill it again. So my my initial thought is like no, because why? But also, like yeah. <laughs> I can honestly see that um, just because humans are in general are kind of just petty <laughs> anyway. And I could see a board of directors being like, I don't think they developed the blockbuster idea. Like they weren't like, we need a show about blockbuster. I think a script called blockbuster came in their possession and they were like, wouldn't it be funny if we put out blockbuster, the series? Because it's so, you know, it's so meta and just hilarious that we were a reason that uh, we were a reason behind their demise. And now we have a sitcom about it. Yeah. I think that is probably more likely that their intentions were just like, it's funny that we killed block. We are a part of killing blockbuster and now we have a show called it. I don't think they did it to be like, let's kill it again. I do think they got immense satisfaction from killing it again. <laughs> I will say that if there was that intent, that they showed a lot of restraint from like Netflix like playing a role in the show. Like it was Netflix is only mentioned in episode 1 if I remember correctly with that very first customer. Right. Like it's soon like that's one of the first things you see, one of the first pieces of dialogue was Oh, I haven't been here for so long because I've been doing Netflix. But then after that, there's really no mention of Netflix. Yeah, they kind of just mentioned streaming. Yeah. Like as a, yeah. In general. Um, but yeah, that's the only time I remember them mentioning Netflix. Which to me, that first scene was like perfect. Like that that's how you should open up a show about a video rental store. You start out with that customer employee engagement you know picking out a movie that there should have been more of that i agree should have been more of that 
And that is Blockbuster, folks. Yeah, we're getting a little long-winded, ain't we? Well, that's fine. I mean... It's our show. <laughs> it's our show. This is the last episode, damn it. <laughs> we can run as long as we want. No, I'll be back, you know, as long as you keep the office out of your mouth. <laughs> keep, <laughs> keep the office name out your motherfucking mouth. <laughs> keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Okay, so... When we were starting this podcast, um, I had someone close to me that I showed the podcast because I think it was before we even released it. Yeah, it was. Uh, and I was kind of just like, what do you think about this? And they were like, uh, it's not, you guys don't seem very knowledgeable and it's not funny. Uh, maybe you guys should like talk about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars. And I was like, that is like the least funny thing <laughs> I could think of. <laughs> Just the suggestion of doing that, I was like, how dare you? <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, that was ridiculous advice. So, from two unknowledgeable, unfunny dorks who watched a series that they didn't necessarily like and complained about it for over an hour... Thanks for listening. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> if you did, you can find us on social media at Nerds Collide Pod. We have Twitter, which is terrible. Did I tell you I got a notification from Twitter on our Twitter, like the Nerds Collide Pod? Maybe it was no, it wasn't a notification. It was like the suggested feed. It was the first. When I opened it, it was the first little tweet that was available. It was literally a nude scene from a Netflix series. <laughs> wow. I was like, this is weird. I mean, I watched it, but I was like, this is weird. <laughs> anyway. It. I'm not an animal. <laughs> anyway, we got Twitter. It's kind of a dumpster fire. Whatever. We have Instagram. We have TikTok. Go check us out at Nerds Collide Pod. And just remember, the term nerd is rated E for everyone. Find your passion, embrace it, shit on things you don't like, <laughs> hype things you do like, find the good in everything, even things you don't necessarily enjoy, and be the nerd that you are. Be and that's it, damn it. Go on, get. <laughs> Go <laughs> <laughs> Go on, get. We don't watch no more here. <laughs> oh, and the uh, Airbud coming soon. All right. Um. Oh, you said you had to um correct. Uh, oh shit! Here. Damn. Right at the end. All right. So my nerddom failed me. I guess I am unknowledgeable. I mistakenly called the opening village in Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time Kakariko Village and it is not Kakariko Village it is the Kokiri Forest so let me actually make sure that's right imagine correcting yourself and you're still wrong <laughs> yeah that's why I'm like I can't do it again alright 
Kokiri Forest. I don't know if I said that. Oh, I said Kiriko, I think. I don't know what I said, but it is Kokiri Forest. Okay? <laughs> for all for all you knowledgeable people out there. So anyway, hope you enjoyed the show. If you like us, follow us. Nerds Clyde Pod. Be the nerd that you are. Fucking yada, 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 yada. Yeah, you get it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.